RPG lessons learned. When the game is over, when your players are gone, that's when lessons are learned. We are at RPG LL Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, RPGLLPodcast at gmail.com, and check us out online at RPGLessonsLearned.com. Hi, welcome to RPG Lessons Learned, the show where you can learn from our mistakes. With me today is Brian. Hey, Dusty. How's it going? Hey, Brian. And we are coming at you live, well, recorded, but in person together from RFC Studios. Yeah, it's been a while. You're the first person who's recorded here besides me in weeks, so. Dude, it's awesome to be back, like face-to-face recording a podcast. This feels like the early days of RPGLL. It feels like, it feels right. This is the way it should be, Dusty. <laughs> it is. And we have not posted an episode since March. I believe, yeah. March, geez. Well, I feel bad for that. That's mostly driven, like, like we, we posted the pause episode. Uh, no, episode 96.5. 96.5. So here we are at episode 97.0. Yes. Um, work is still insane for me. Work has not slowed down a bit. Work has been just constant, constant, crazy hours, crazy round the clock, crazy weekends. We've not played in, you and I haven't played in months. No, you and I haven't. Uh, I did play this campaign with, with, uh, Chris and Nathan, but it took us from December to May just to get this, just to get five sessions knocked out. It's kind of funny how um, my schedule was horrible back then, and I couldn't be, you know, uh, depended on to, to appear in games. Now my schedule's great, and mine's awful. Yeah, just just works out that way. Yeah, and we all had a lot of family stuff going on. Well, you and Mike had family stuff going on. I had work stuff, and I still have the work stuff. But um, we finished recording. Uh, Chris, Nathan, and I, this vampire game. Yeah, I, I guess that's what we're going to be doing right now is listening to this game that I was omitted from. It, well, omitted's a strong word. Um, invited to initially, couldn't make it, so we just finished the campaign without you. But uh, yeah, so for the next, I don't know how many episodes it's going to be, 10 episodes, 12 episodes, however many episodes we can get out of those five recordings, um, we're going to just talk about the episode beforehand, listen to it together and then go over it at the end. So are we listening to the first session here? What is this? It is the first session. We'll call it session zero. So the first part of the first actual session where we sat down and played. So I figure we'll be in session one for at least one more episode for sure. Maybe two more episodes before we move into session two. Um, So episodes and sessions won't be a one-to-one correlation. But we're naming this episode Session Zero because this is the portion of the first sit-down session where we established characters, we established the world, we established the rules that we're using. We did all of that sort of establishing in this that you're about to listen to. Cool. Let's go ahead and listen to it. Let's do. All right, gentlemen. We are playing Vampire the Masquerade. We're not playing the full game. The full game is played with D10s. We're playing with D6s. This is a rule set that came out in 1997. It was called the Vampire the Masquerade Introductory Kit. It is online on DriveThruRPG as the Vampire the Masquerade Revised Quick Start. So, and it, it's totally free. So if you're listening to this, you can go out there and find the rule set that we're using totally free. Vampire is a game that I've wanted to play for a long time. I've heard about it here and there. I scoffed at it quite a bit in college. 
but I've been really toying with the idea of, of playing this system. Fifth edition just came out uh, to a lot of controversy that we will not be discussing here today. Uh, but I'm not really interested in fifth edition. I'm not interested in, you know, the different hunger dice and all that kind of stuff. It just seems too complicated. I want to do something simpler. And I wanted to go back and play the classic system since that's, you know, what drove so much of the breakaway from D&D &D and more of a narrative focus. And it was one of the first inclusive games to come out uh, for, for RPGs. So I really wanted to play the, the more classic game. But I didn't want all the overhead of however many years of Vampire the Masquerade, hence me choosing these quick start rules. It's a very small rule set. It's about 27 pages. I've got it all here. I have created these character sheets in front of you. Let me orient you in the character sheet. Here in a minute, when I turn the game over to you guys, you're going to fill out a name. You're going to be... You were a human. Um, this game takes place in 1997, and you are newly turned. So I'll let you choose a first name and last name, just a first name. We'll go from there. Um, you have your traits. You're going to have one trait that's a one, one that's a two, one that's a three, and one that's a four. So, and you can choose which traits those are. We will not get into disciplines in this game. The bottom of the page, you see your health track and your blood track. Um, as you take wounds, you get worse and worse at stuff. You can see where medium, you lose one dice to your rolls. A serious, you lose two dice. A crit, you lose three dices. Gotcha. Dices, three die, die. You can see your blood. Um, you will be playing vampires, so blood is how much blood you have sort of on hand or in your reservoir, for lack of a better term, to actually use your abilities. If you turn the character sheet over, at the bottom of the character sheet, I have really summarized almost every action in that 27-page rule set um, into the bottom. So you can just look at that to get an idea of what kinds of things can you do. You'll see in combat, you know, melee and ranged, how is combat resolved turn to turn. You can see at the bottom left how initiative, you know, what, what initiative is always a static order. How does that work? How do we resolve that? What's hunting like? What can you spend blood on? What's feeding like? All that stuff. So this character sheet should be just about everything you need to look at until we get into disciplines, which again, we will not in this first session. This game, if everything goes correctly, should take about five sessions. Okay. Okay. Any questions? Several, but we'll get to them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What's your previous exposure to Vampire the Masquerade? Let's talk about that real quick. Bloodlines. Bloodlines. Nathan, you've played Bloodlines. What else? Deus Ex. Same game, really. Same game? They're, they're, they're cyborgs. Same systems. Fair enough. Same. Any coming previous in, exposure to Vampire the Masquerade, Chris? Coming in blind. Coming in blind? Yep. Seen advertisements for, I guess, some but Bloodlines especially, but... Otherwise, nothing. All right, that, that's perfectly okay for this game. This game is designed for that. Um, this game is designed for you to have no in-game knowledge of vampires or vampire society or the system or any of that stuff as you start. You're meant to discover that because this is all going to be kind of a shock to your characters. My previous exposure to vampire, just so you know, is the 1992 or three TV show. So I, I have I own the DVD set and I have watched all thirteen episodes of that Aaron Spelling show. It's much reviled on the internet, but I kind of like it. So that show, um, most of the game Bloodlines, and then just a very 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 little bit that I've read online. So those of you listening at home, if I don't get all the lore quite right, I am purposefully limiting myself to the show, the video game, and this twenty-seven page rule book. 
All right, shall we get started? Sure. First of all, this takes place in Charlotte, downtown Charlotte, or in the city oh. of Charlotte. Oh, Uptown, okay. downtown, doesn't matter. It takes place in Charlotte, 1997. Why don't you give me a first name for your characters? Edward. Edward? If I don't do it, you're going to. I wasn't going to. I hadn't even thought of that. I don't believe you. I do yeah. not. Will you do me a favor and at least spell it differently? Can you be Edward? Like with a, with a U-A instead of a W-A. I'm putting a U-Mall above the E. I don't mm. know how that works, but yeah, there you go. we'll figure it out. Okay. Chris, how about you? Zep with an X. Zep with an X. Is that a reference to Buffy? No. It's actually Auspex, just backwards. Oh, I see someone has already fallen in love with a power. Yeah. All right, so let me note this quick. We've got Edward. Last name Dalva. And we've got... Zep. I thought you were making reference to Xander Harris referred to himself uh, as the Zep, Zeppelin Zepper, Zeppo, Zeppo. Yeah, no. Okay. Edward, what's his last name? Dalv. Spell that. D-A-L-V. D-A-L-V. Dalv. Yeah. Does Zep have a last name? It's optional at this point. Yeah. Uh, Zepperson. <laughs> Zepper, Zep, Zepperson. <laughs> oh, God. Roy Pryor. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, Ness, N-E-S. That's right. He's into three-letter names. You are the Zepness. Yeah, Zepness. Okay, it's 97. Excuse me, it's Nice. Zepnice? Yeah, Zepnice. Zepnice. All right, that's getting a, a bar over the... So, it's 97. You two know each other. So, can you each propose a relationship that you have, and then you, you, then you two pick amongst yourselves which one is the best? What's your idea for how... Zep and Edward know each other. I wouldn't know an Edward. That name's too common. Okay. Edward. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm, pic- uh, I'm picturing like um, stepbrothers. Not the movie. but Like a stepbrother relationship? Stepbrother relationship, yeah. Not half-sibling. So no shared parentage. Correct. But so your parents are now married. Yeah. All right, so stepbrothers. Yeah. Why would you still be like hanging out together as presumably adults because you're not playing with children in 1997? Right. We're both losers. There you go. Okay. Is, are you just going with this, or do you have a separate idea that you want to? No, that's, we can we can make it a little more uh, you know on the rails if you want. Then no, I'm fine. I, I was just thinking, why would two do? I was actually originally thinking Night at the Roxbury, and then I went deeper into my Will Ferrell obsession and went with Step Brothers. All right, so you are Step Brothers. You're gonna want up playing a vampire. We, we, we know that just for the name of the system. I want to get you there as quickly as we can, but I want it to be reasonable. I want to tell you a little bit about what happens that you can't control, and then I want you to take me on the montage of you figuring out that you're a vampire. Mm-hmm. I'll give you some input into that. Here's what happens that you can't control. You both go out one night, and you go out together. You have very vague memories when you wake up of meeting the coolest dude ever. This guy was just awesome. You wound up talking to him all night about everything. You revealed your deepest, darkest secrets to this guy. This guy was just super awesome. You, you, you appreciated his opinions. He appreciated your opinions. It's all kind of a blur now, what he looked like. It's kind of a blur, the specific things that you talked about. But it was a lengthy, lengthy conversation. And you're now waking up with a horrible hangover the next day. You find that you are instinctively terrified of the sun, not even drawing the curtains, not leaving your room where you know there's sunlight. You don't know why. You can't explain it. You know it's unreasonable, but you have this deep, 
instinctive terror of the sun and you're ravenously hungry. You're desperately hungry. That's the input. Give me the montage for you piecing together and figuring out that you're a vampire. There's a zombie movie rules where they don't know what a zombie is. Does vampire <coughs> lore exist within this world? Sure, vampire lore exists. Okay, I go to shave and I, it's pretty self-evident. They can see themselves in mirrors. Never mind. You can see yourself in a mirror. Mm. Nobody else can see you. So can vampires see each other in mirrors? Yes. Oh, wow. All right. Well, sorry. Yeah. So, like, we wake up a little bit later in the day, and it's, like, a little cloudy, but... It's dark at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. But do feel the moment that we get outside, it just, we do not want to be in the sun. So we're, like, right. yeah, putting on layers, things like that, right? Trying to take the subway system and other things to just, that we would normally... The subway take, system take in 92nd Charlotte? Yeah. Oh, that's true. It is in Charlotte. Uh, we're not taking the light rail because doesn't exist. That's not gonna, twenty years. Yeah. Uh, cabs don't seem good. We're. I can just picture us walking very slowly downtown, uptown, and just getting more and more aggressively angry at the fact that we're having to walk through the sun, sunlight, and then skip ahead to lunch, trying to go through a lunch counter or something like that to pick out something for for lunch. Super hungry, right? And nothing satisfies us. Like, go get a get a hoagie, get something else, and nothing is satisfying us, which normally does. And then all of a sudden, you just start realizing that approaching certain people just seems a little bit more of a, of a hunt. Less of a, you know, you're trying to go to um, engage in a relationship or something like that. It seems more of a hunt. And then all of a sudden, it's at a hand, try something, and... Next thing you know, a woman screaming at you because you enjoy biting her wrist a little. I was going to say I ate a homeless person, but that sounds pretty good, too. You ate a homeless person? Sure, yeah. Okay. All right. All that stuff, too, though. Yeah. All that stuff, too. Okay. Both of your things happen individually. By the way, I'm only going to let you go out in the sun covered up like that on your very first day. Once you've fed, if you do that, you're going to take damage. It's going to burn you. So then I can also picture myself like uh, losing my job and a couple other things. Just oh, absolutely. And trying to find a, a night shift just because going to a doctor in the morning to say, hey, I just don't understand what's going on. I just do not like the sun because I would absolutely try to go to the doctor within the first like two weeks if it's getting that, that bad. Interesting. So you go to the doctor. Okay. The doctor, you make an appointment. You wait in the waiting room. You're kind of out in daylight. Like, how are you working around daylight to get to the doctor? Remember, your instinctive terror. Not fear. Not, you know, reluctance. Terror at the sun. Well, there are two things. One, I would try to go as early as possible. So think like... So for a doctor, that means like eight. Seven. You can go to some dentist and stuff like that at seven. Okay. And we are in the city. I know it's Charlotte. (laughs) But we could also go try to go after hours. And sun's also rising fairly late. Yeah. So maybe, how about that? How about you go to the ER after hours? Yeah, sure. And just, I, I, it's not working for me, Doc. I just, I don't know what it is. I, I've never had, never experienced this. I was always a sun kid whenever I was growing up. I was a sun baby. I tried to always be outside as much as possible, and now it's just not. Well, let's try it. something, he and says. It, and it actually hurts. And it's been probably a couple days now, right? Yeah. Okay. Um is that is the, is the young lady that you flirted with that you bit on the arm the only person you've bitten? Probably, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I may have. Yeah, 
I'm going to say yes, knowing that there might be leftovers of homeless dude in the... I think I've tried to tell him he's just kind of, he's too busy fretting over this to even listen. Yes, exactly. Okay, so you're a vamp. I'm the, I'm the manic one. Okay, so you manic one. When you go to the doctor, he says, okay, let's try something. And he leaves the room and he comes back in with a blood bag and all the accoutrement that he needs to mm. stick you mm-hmm. and give you a transfusion. He's asked you for your mm. blood type, he's reviewed your medical history. All that's happened and we've gotten to the transfusion part where he brings the blood bag into the room. I need you to make a frenzy check. You will find the rules for frenzy on your character sheet. Basically, it's a psychic roll, DC4. This is a first roll in the game. A psychic roll means, oh, we need to go ahead and choose up your traits. I need both of you to do that. You have, you tell me what you're good at. You have a four, a three, a two, and a one. Are those the physical, social, mental, and psychic? Yep. And I'm willing to answer questions about the system, like things that come up later. I will tell you that combat is almost entirely based on physical unless you learn magic. And learning magic is going to be difficult for you. So social is one. This is how many die we roll, so, basically. Yes. And, okay. I, and Chris, yeah. you, you can write on this character sheet. I want you to circle Absolutely. how many you have. So circle four dice, circle three, circle two, circle one. There we go. Got it. Four psychic, three physical, two mental, one social. Okay. Did you choose four psychic just because you were about to make a psychic roll? No, I didn't know that that was a second role. No, I actually just really love the idea of the um, uh, aspects. Again, I'm just kind of trying to... I know that we're not going to use that for this game, but I love that idea of being able to do those psychic, like astral projection and shit like that. Oh, it is a psychic role. Make your psychic role. So you have four dice. That means you roll four dice. Yep. DC four means you have to make at least a four on one of them to succeed. On one of them. One of them means you barely succeed. Two mean you handily succeed. Huh. Three mean you awesomely succeed. Make our very first Vampire the Masquerade dice roll. Uh, one four one six. So it's two one. Just two successes. Yep. Two so successes. You succeed. So you succeed, Chris, in not. Ripping Zep. the blood bag. Sorry, Zep. You succeed, Zep, in not ripping the blood bag from his hands and greedily biting into it and drinking down the contents. But you suddenly realize... I'm absolutely just salivating at the thought of having a blood bag. You, to me, it's like it's like if you just bring out a porterhouse steak on a plate and I can see the blood dripping out of it. And it just it's well-rested. It just looks fantastic. Like, just juicy as hell. That I'm excited about. Right, I all of a sudden start getting a little antsy. I start realizing that, oh, okay, so like that, I've not been excited about anything other than one hunting that that girl and, and you know biting her wrist, and two this blood bag. So now I'm starting to piece things together that, okay, so there's something else out there. It's not just the fact that I'm afraid of the sun and there is vampire lore, right? So I'm not still piecing it together that I'm a vampire, but I'm starting to realize that. There are only two things that I've actually enjoyed over the past three days since I had that really bad hangover. Great night, but bad hangover. And So you've succeeded yeah. in your frenzy roll. Yeah. And I want, to, I want to get back to where we check on Edward yep. here in a second. So, But let's finish this with you. You've succeeded in your frenzy roll, which means you keep your wits about you. The decision I need right now is, do you nope out of there? Do you get out of the hospital, having figured out what you are? Do you try to figure out how to steal this blood bag? I am absolutely trying to steal that blood bag. In fact, to me, I want to know where that blood bag came from so I can get more because I 
like I chose uh, social one for a reason. The way that I'm going to try to play this character is more of a um, very socially awkward. Try to find ways around having to actually interact with people to to you know get blood to consume. So I'm absolutely going to try to find that that or take that blood bag and also find where it came from so that way I can get more. Okay, so yeah. how do you try to take the blood bag? You're trying to sneak it. You try to basically. Get rid of them and then just like pocket it real smoothly. Yeah, and then walk out and probably bump into a nurse or something like that and try to start a relationship with a nurse. So that way I can take and her relationship. Well, let's not go that far. Yeah, let's absolutely. Look, let's get you out of but there that's with where the blood I'm, bag. That's where I'm thinking. Yeah. Let's so, get you out of there with the blood bag and then that way I can get back to Edward. So go ahead and make a physical roll to see if you can do some sleight of hand. So what's your physical? Three. Three. That is a no. Okay. Unless it was less than a DC four. No. <laughs> DC two. I'm good. DC four is default, by the way. When I ask yeah, for a roll and I don't it. say a, a DC, four. it's a DC four. All right. You're not able to get the blood bag, and in fact, so I'm like stumbling and like halfway drop it when I'm trying to steal it. And and as a consequence, the doctor is is so you try to you tell the doctor, hey, you know what? Actually, I'm good. I, I forgot. I've got to get to work. I've got to go. And as you walk by the tray, you try to like grab the blood bag real quick. It's the winter months, so you're wearing a heavy coat. It's 1997. You're probably wearing a starter jacket. Yeah. You try to jam that thing in your pocket. Hornet started. You don't jacket. quite make it. It hits the floor, and he's like, hey, what are you trying to do? Do you take off running? Or do no, you grab no, no, the no. bag. Grab a quick, 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 quick answer. No, I'm not going to dra- grab the bag dra- for the bag. I realize I've been caught. I'm socially awkward. I'm just going to say, oh, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I was going to hand that back to you. I'm sorry about that. Yeah, don't, don't handle. Just yeah. get out of here. Just go. All right, we're, we're out of there. Edward, I ate a dude. I don't know. You ate a dude. <laughs> you ate a dude. Um, describe to me when you ate a dude. Uh, homeless guy. You ate a homeless guy. That's what you said earlier. Yep. Yep. Give me a little more detail on that. Just was going about. Uh, Uptown, mm-hmm. for folks home, that's what we call downtown. Don't ask why, it's dumb. Go about uptown and just have them see a, um, oh, what's the term? Yeah, homeless person in a fairly secluded area or fairly secluded corner of the city, but no one else was around. And, and all of a sudden, you get this idea to bite him. How do you psychologically respond to that? Oh, I'm not thinking about it. It's pure instinct. I'm hungry. Okay. So you get him to a secluded area, you bite him. I think I just tackle him down the stairwell where he's sitting by and just. It's done. It's done. All right. You guys sleep during the day. Yeah. The next night when you wake up, there is a post-it note. The post-it note is – actually, there's one for each of you on the lampshade by your bed. And the post-it note says, find Jack, the sanctuary. Like signed by the sanctuary? No. Or a comma, the sanctuary? Comma, the sanctuary. Okay. Actually, it would be a dash. Find Jack, dash, the sanctuary. Okay. Yes, we have punctuation. Colon, maybe? No, no, definitely, definitely not. Kind of now that I consider it, it's actually an M dash. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not an N dash. So it's not like a signature dash. It's more like a... <laughs> I'm glad you got to use your degree yeah. for this. You know? That's Jack weird. in the Sanctuary. Are, now, are you guys talking to each other? Do you know where the, what the hell a Jack in the Sanctuary is? I, I, I ate it, dude. I'm dealing with some stuff right now. I had time to talk I to tried, you. I tried to talk to you about that. You, I, you, I, hey, man. It didn't So I, I'm just... I'm going through some stuff right now. Like I, I figured this out like days ago before him, but I haven't had to come in and talk to him because I freaking ate a dude, man. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm dealing with some stuff. And it's not like we're brothers. We're stepbrothers. That's a little bit different, right? Like like Eastern Christmas. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like you'll hang out together and stuff like that, but like, no. Yeah. Okay, so let's say I, I call up Ed, Edward. 
Eduardo. Uh, that Eduardo? Ball, it sounds like an O at the end, apparently. Okay, cool. So yeah. instead of a W, it's a U? Sure. Awesome. So I'm going to call up Eduardo and just say, hey, man, have you had anything weird happen since that night a week ago? Like, I, I just, I don't know, man. I just feel a little weird. And there's just some stuff that's going on. I don't know if you're feeling the same way. And I don't want to say too much and all of a sudden you think I'm weird or whatever. But it just, I feel different after that night. I was wanting to see if you feel the same. Uh, yeah, I um, I ate a dude. You're now an accomplice and also probably a vampire. So uh, buckle up. I really liked actually how that sounded. It was nice and consistent. Uh, the audio quality was, I mean, you wouldn't call it CD quality, but also it didn't sound like it was being recorded in the shoebox and everybody, well, there was one microphone in one corner of the room and everybody else had to yell. It was really nice and consistent. So how did you manage to do that? For a pretty minimal spend, I spent a little over 50 bucks on a Jabra Puck. And I don't think they're sold under the name Puck, but I call them Pucks. They're little circle disc platter things that you can plug into your computer to make Skype speakerphone calls much more audible for the entire room. So at work, we've really transitioned off of bridges and off of polycoms and onto more Skype and Skype-enabled rooms. In my new company, I live in Skype. You live so, on Skype. Yeah. So yeah, I bring my laptop to a meeting room that doesn't have a, that, that meeting room doesn't have Skype. I'll plug in that puck and it sounds so good. I thought, man, it's got an omnidirectional mic it's got a preprocessor. I'm going to use this thing to, to record actual plays. If it's meant for conference calls, it should be perfect for actual plays. And it's actually, it's it's not completely perfect. It's not as good as miking everyone separately, but it's good enough that I'm going to keep using it. Yeah. So, I mean, the one thing you mentioned there was it's got an omnidirectional mic. And I think, I think there are people who listen to us who are also into like podcasts and they have interest in recording their own actual plays. And and I look on Facebook groups and podcast groups and people throw out mic recommendations without knowing what they're talking about. So I like that you actually made a good conscious decision with the kind of microphone to use. Uh, for that situation, an omnidirectional mic is the way to go. Yeah. And the preprocessor just puts – it just makes it easier to bring clean audio onto the computer. I start up Audacity. I make sure that the input device is that Jabra puck, and then I record, and it does great. Cool. Okay, so – before we started recording, you handed me a few things, including a character sheet uh, and the guide for this. Um, and I just was immediately uh, struck by how awesome the character sheet was. And I'm like, wow, they did a great job with this. Uh, just the layout's logical. Uh, just the use of color. It's black and white, except for there is the occasional use of red that just really stands out. And then you told me something that I was a little bit surprised by. I made that. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Um, yeah, I found the character sheet in the actual booklet to be completely unusable. It's so uh, we'll link to it uh, from the uh, show notes on the website. But it's it's not great. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, there's just so much wasted space. There's you said there's even miss, it's even missing stuff. It is. Yeah. Let's talk about that for a second. So first of all. We'll put some links in the show notes, right? Uh, we'll link to Drive Through RPG, where you can get this 1997 introductory um, vampire kit. Uh, you can get it for free. You heard us talk about it already on in the game in the in the in the session. It's D6 based, so it's easy to get into. It's just you have some dice laying around. 
It's a nice, neat little system. The last page of that PDF that you can get from DriveThruRPG is the character sheet. Brian, it's missing an entire trait. So is this like the quick start guide for this or like... What is, is this? Is this what you, other than the character sheet, what you ran the game from? It is. Other than the character sheet, that's the rule set that I used. Is this, is this like an officially sanctioned, blessed version or something? Or is it this, is. and yeah. it's missing a trait. It's missing a whole trait from the character sheet. Yes. So that this PDF that you're looking at is, well, it's a revised version. And the revised version has some issues. Um, one of the clans is missing uh, one of their disciplines. And I had to, I actually went and spent 10 bucks to get, one of the original printed versions from 1997 to find out what that discipline was. But yeah, if you read through those rules, Brian, the rules make reference to four traits, mental, physical, social, right? Yes. And then psychic is the fourth one that does not appear in the character sheet, but psychic is referenced throughout the rules. Several of the disciplines require psychic roles. There are opposed psychic roles. If I'm not mistaken, the frenzy check is a psychic role. So characters are making psychic rolls constantly, and there's no room on the out-of-the-box, officially sanctioned quick start character sheet for psychic. So you said this is the official document. So I'm looking through this, and I don't mean to bash, sort of exactly, but there's a lot of text. There's a lot of text, which I'm perfectly fine with. Then they just start randomly throwing in, maybe it's not random, but they start throwing in these gigantic photos that take up half the page or more of I guess it's the characters they're describing, but it it it's like the the dregs of uh, of deviant art. It's I, I look at this and I just I don't know it, it it I just don't like the look of of these sheets past like page four or five. Ouch, ouch Brian. So, a couple things there. Um, the artist that you're referring to there is Tim Bradstreet. Are you familiar with him? I am not. So Tim Bradstreet, I first heard of him. My personal first hearing of him is uh, the Thomas Jane Punisher movie. On the DVD, there was like a making of featurette, and they had a whole making of featurette, uh, a whole little featurette about Tim Bradstreet. And he's one of those artists that he takes photos of models, and then he uses a light table to sort of uh, capture the mood of the model in pen and ink. Well, the art from the first edition of the Vampire Game, Brian, by Tim Bradstreet is hugely famous. It's the art. It's literally the art that inspired Blade. Like, there's an interview with Tim Bradstreet where he talks about, you know, Blade was so derived from his work that when they made Blade 2, um, Guillermo de Toro brought Tim Bradstreet in as a consultant to make up for the fact that they hadn't in Blade 1 because they, they borrowed from him so heavily. So the art that you're bashing is, one, hugely iconic with Vampire. Two, it inspired a whole era of sort of vampires as social outcasts, fringe of society type groups, a subculture. There you go. Subculture. It, it inspired a whole era of art. I think that's why I don't like it. Uh, so I think what you're responding to is that, yes, Tim Bradstreet, I mean, this is his original work. This is early on and it, it's become cliche. Like this is a genre that we, this is a type of pen and ink art that we've seen a lot of since the early to mid nineties. So I think we've reached saturation. So going to the actual game, how, how do you feel about it? How do you feel that that actually went? Good. A, a little cliche. Like there's nothing in that first 20 minutes that you couldn't see in the first 20 minutes of any vampire movie. Like we've got to establish what the rules are. Can you see your own reflection or not? Um, 
oh no, you've been turned into a vampire. Let's slowly develop that you've got this taste for blood. So on the one hand, it was pretty cliche. On the other hand, the point of this was not to, you know, create this completely original radio show. The point of it was to let, you know, Chris and Nathan experience one of these one of these vampire movies. You know what I'm saying? The point was to let them experience that. So they got to have those scenes where they where they learn what the rules are for vampires in, in this continuum. I, I think it achieved what it what it set out to do. It let them get to know their characters and let them introduce their characters. So it almost sounded like Chris and Nathan were telling you a story. Yeah, I, I asked questions and I really let them take me on on a journey. So Chris, when he really wanted to go to a doctor and he really wanted to go see someone about what was happening to him, I hadn't planned for that. I hadn't thought of that. I hadn't rolled a doctor NPC. I hadn't done any of that. But Chris wanted to go there, so by God, we went there, and I sat back, and, and I thoughtfully redirected him. Like, I'm sorry, man, you can't go to the doctor in the middle of the day. So <laughs> I transitioned it to, okay, you hit the ER after hours. I did just enough steering to keep it in the world and in the in, in the in the vein I wanted to keep it in, but I let him have his conversation with his doctor. I, I It was so important to me to let them tell a story. And I can get out of the way of that as much as possible. So the doctor, that was all Chris. That was all Chris. That's 100% Chris. That's cool. Uh, so what if he had failed that check? <laughs> that frenzy check? Yeah, when the doctor brought out that bag of blood and Chris made that check and, and barely made it, uh, he was tempted by the blood. If he would have failed the check, he would have. I would have dictated to him, I'm sorry, you failed your check. This blood is overwhelmingly attractive to you. You're, you're going to scarf it down in front of this doctor. I don't know what would happen next. Like, Brian, when you run a game like this, your mind is going a million miles an hour. And as soon as he wanted to talk to the doctor, I'm thinking of, like, the TV show Forever Night where Nick Knight hung out with, with I forgot Natalie's last name, but hung out with, with, with the forensic doctor. Like, in my head, I'm like, oh, are we going to have this recurring doctor NPC that's breaking the masquerade and figuring stuff out or that Chris is going to see? Now, Chris abandoned the doctor pretty quickly, and he noped out of the doctor's office once he realized that the blood was what he was after. But yeah, failed the role, made the role with more successes. That could have gone a bunch of different ways. That could have gone a bunch of different ways. And I was open to all of them. Can you give us any uh, spoilers or anything for what's going to happen on the next installment? Uh, on the next installment, they'll meet Jack, who those in our audience who have played Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines, the video game, you'll be familiar with Jack. Okay, cool. We'll see you then. People call them postmortems, evaluations, appraisals, reviews, retrospectives. We call them lessons learned, and we're sharing ours with you. <laughs>